0: Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show to ease your expat overwhelm and be inspired by other newcomers' stories. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow expats and share their unique challenges, triumphs and revelations as they build their new lives here. It's great to have you. In this episode, I sit down with David Mendoza. He's an educator, career coach, and entrepreneur with over 10 years of experience supporting international students and newcomers in all areas of career growth and personal development.
1: If for the most part you get up in the morning morning with a purpose and knowing that you're going to enjoy what you do, your life quality is going to be incredible. If you, on the other hand, if you get up in the morning hating, your life because you're gonna, you know that you're going to see a manager you hate because you cannot stand your coworkers because you're bored at the at the, at the job etc your your life quality decreases and not only you the people around you as well that get that get impacted because of decisions so it's important to make really thought out and robust sound decisions when it comes to the career that you want to build especially if you're coming to Canada
0: I absolutely loved having David on the show. He shares his story of leaving Colombia to pursue his dream of living abroad, first in the UK and then eventually Canada. And then we dive deep into his best recommendations to build a successful network and career in Canada. This episode is chock full of valuable, inspiring professional advice to find career fulfillment and happiness. Let's start the show. So, David, thank you so much for giving us some of your time on this rainy Tuesday morning. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Kate. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm very happy and excited to have this chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Um, We both connected last year during Mm -hmm. the build up to the Expat Expo networking event in Toronto. So, yeah, I'm so grateful that we connected because it's always such a pleasure to meet other people who have the same passion for helping newcomers. We always have something to talk about. Um, yeah, but I think you do take it on a whole other inspiring level, but <laughs> that's here nor there. Um, so, you've been helping international students and newcomers to build successful careers in Canada for, mm-hmm. is it 10 years now?
1: 10 years, yeah. 10 years as an educator, uh, as part of the post secondary uh, sector here in, in Ontario. And mm-hmm. then for over three years now through a learning initiative that I'm running uh, that is supporting international students and newcomers to transition to smoothly into life in Canada. But Mm. interestingly enough, since the pandemic started, it has um, become a little bit more global because we are helping other students who are based right now in the United States, in Australia, in the UK, in India.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so let's jump right into it. I'd love to learn more about where you are originally from. So you were born Mm -hmm. in Colombia.
1: Right, yes. So I was born in Colombia, yeah in Bogotá capital city. Have you been to Colombia yet or not
0: yet? No, I haven't. The closest I've been is Panama. So I I went to Panama, but I was just on a resort. So I I wasn't, you know, I didn't really throw myself into anything cultural wise, but (laughs) I just remember it being so hot. That's probably the hottest place I've ever been in my entire life. I think it was in the 50s. Oh my gosh.
1: Probably. Yeah. Because it's like close to uh, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, right in the corner of Colombia, which is really hot. But it's interesting because, for example, when people think about Colombia, people think it's only tropical weather and it's not the case. Right. Colombia is fascinating because it has different microclimates. So, oh. for example, where I'm from, Bogota, right, we are 2,600 meters uh, above sea level. So, it's mm-hmm. pretty pretty cold, right, in the mornings and, and at night, right? So, say, for example, that at 7 in the morning, it could be, I don't know, between 7 and 10 degrees. If you go to the coast, right, to Cartagena or Santa Marta or Barranquilla, then it's hot. It's like between 30 and 40 degrees on a, on a regular basis. But other cities is different, right? So my city, the capital city, is on the colder side in the mornings. But then around 10 a.m. it starts picking up. So it's the most amazing weather because it ranges between 18 and 22, right? Oh, and you right. have bad weather until 5 p.m. And then 6 p.m. starts to cool off a little bit and you just need a light jacket uh, for the evening. So it's I, I do like it a lot.
0: So is that year-round?
1: All year round, all year round. Yeah, you know the thing in Colombia? There's no like seasons per se. Mm. Uh, there are times that are maybe windier or when it rains a little bit more, but we don't have seasons. So, for example, nobody checks the forecast there. So when I'm when I'm when I'm about to to go there see my family, and as I ask my brothers. Was the forecast like for, for this week or whatever? And they're like, what are you talking about? We don't know. like <laughs> we're just like, just calm. We would have flow. What are you talking about? You're from here, right?
0: Wow. Do you ever get tired of it? I guess it's just perfect temperature, so you wouldn't. But it's mm. just, I always wonder that. I always think, oh, I would love to just live somewhere that's always so warm. Right. But then I don't know whether you would eventually want, uh, you know, the fall and then the winter season. Mm-hmm. Do you think, what do you think about that?
1: I think that's a really nice question. I think when it comes to, for example, the weather of Bogota, you could get used to it all year round because it it varies, right? It's not Mm -hmm. that since you get up in the morning, it's scorching hot and then, you know. Now, I think that's a a very nice weather. But if you go to, for example, the coast, some cities are like 38 degrees all year round, 24-7, right? (laughs) I would not like to, I would not see myself experiencing that like all my life. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate seasons here in Canada. I love seasons. The only thing is the winters are too long. for my my liking, right? But I do love the seasons changing. For example, now that summer is coming to an end, we're going to go on into fall, which is beautiful here in Canada. Mm
0: -hmm. So what's the city like where you grew up? Is it really built up or is there spaces and parks?
1: Uh, It's very built up. It's like a a big metropolis, right? It's it's 10 million people in Bogota. So it's a massive city, lots of traffic. Uh, It's the place in Colombia if you want to experience the nightlife, the arts, museums, restaurants, uh, excellent dining experiences, culture is the place to be, is the city, the capital city, right?
0: Most of the population lives in the cities there. And, you know, 50% of the country is covered by forest. That's crazy. That's amazing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because, like, people have moved also because of the internal conflict that the country went through right. for so many years. There were a lot of people that got displaced from the countryside, Right because of the violence uh everything so
0: mm.
1: but yeah you're right most people live in the cities um it's a beautiful country it's amazing because we had a really bad reputation for over 25 years mm-hmm. um, you know in starting in 90s because of the uh you know narco traffic and all that stuff and people and we got really bad propaganda around the world right people were telling other people colombia no that's bad that's evil don't go there but, and then like it's it's sad because like you just like go make decisions based on what you see in mainstream media. Right. And then when people go there, people don't want to go back.
0: <laughs> it's
1: paradise.
0: Yeah, what would you say to visitors who are apprehensive to visit due to safety concerns and those stereotypes?
1: Yeah, so one thing happened for the past I'm going to say past 7 years when the internal conflicts started decreasing a little bit and when they signed the peace treaty. Uh, people were more open to go. People were not that scared of going anymore. So I think the the reputation has been changing, especially because people are coming back to their countries and and telling other people wonderful things about Colombia and their experience, right? Mm. So I would tell them once all restrictions, uh, travel restrictions are lifted, uh, and when you can go again and and experience the world, make Colombia a priority destination because it's, look, it's, a country that is, geographically speaking is privileged because it's right in the corner where South America starts. So it's, ba- it's based by the Atlantic ocean, the Pacific ocean as well. Again, a thousand microclimates, uh, biodiversity, crazy biodiversity, water resources, fauna, flora, uh, best coffee in the world.
0: Yes. I was going to say that the coffee, I can only
1: imagine. I, I had the chance to go, uh, with my family, uh, I think that was like three years ago to the coffee area uh, on during the holidays. And that was like magical, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful area.
0: <laughs> what do you think of Tim Hortons then? You think that that's just...
1: <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because I'm Colombian, but I'm not a massive coffee drinker.
0: <gasps> oh, wow. Okay, That's like me being English and I don't like tea. Everyone's there
1: you like go now people people worry when they when they think about me south america or asia or even africa they 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 worry about uh safety right mm-hmm. but i'm going to ask you what's safe which place right. is safe in the world
0: Exactly. Any city, especially, there's always going to be one shady part of the city that you shouldn't go to. So you should just always have your wits about you no matter where you go. So
1: Exactly. You don't know. Like you may remember like a few years ago, like uh, there was like a massive shooting in Denmark, which is supposed to be the safest country in the world. Right. So it's like you cannot you cannot deprive yourself from experiencing the world and seeing and exploring and seeing the world mm-hmm. because you're scared that something is going to happen to you because Absolutely. you can't leave your place and trip on a pebble and <laughs> break your neck, right? So sure. travel, like when, when all uh, restrictions are lifted up, like do your best and go, go ahead and, and see the world. Oh, I will.
0: So when was your first experience living abroad? Was it when you went to study in England?
1: Yes. So that was the first time that I actually left the country. So that was 1998. I always wanted to go to Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was into grunge music and that, right? I'm like, oh my god, I want to go to Seattle. and then uh, my parents wanted me and my brothers to be bilingual by the time we finish university. So uh, during high school, I did not. I was not a, you know the best student, to be honest. And I failed tenth grade. So then my parent, my 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 dad told me, you know what? Like just wait until you go to university and do your trip because I don't want you to fall behind more than you are because I have to do redo uh, grade ten, right? So my brothers were younger than me uh, two years and three years they had the chance to go to come to Canada actually for uh, one year of high school. So then when I was think- when I went to university I was thinking about Seattle because again I wanted to experience the city. It was something about the city that called me right? Mm-hmm. And then I went to an agency you know those agencies that help you with, uh, with the documentation, to get the visas, all that uh, to expedite the processes. and they well I was like looking for information in Seattle. But then the lady told me, you know what? We have a, a promotion right now for Bournemouth in the United Kingdom. And it's the same amount. It will cost you the same money that if you go to the United States. I am like, really? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that option because the United States is closer to uh, to Columbia. It's more challenging, I guess, to travel. And we we're talking about 1998, right? It's not even like internet. like It's the beginning of the internet and stuff, right? So I went to uh, to uh, Bournemouth in the United Kingdom for almost a year. I stayed there improving my English. And it was a life-changing experience. It was magical. It was the first time me interacting with people from other cultures, uh, seeing different perspectives. In Colombia, things are very uh, homogenous, right? Everybody speaks mm-hmm. Spanish. Everybody talks about the same things. Everybody, you know... So going to other places, um, sorry, to that place where I saw a lot of diversity in the school that I attended and making friends from different parts of the world, it really opened my mind and my horizons and my perspective of life.
0: And that's so funny that you went to Bournemouth because that's where I went to university. Crazy,
1: I can't believe it. What a beautiful place, eh?
0: I know. And, and it's so funny you say that it, it's diverse because it really is. I think you walk down that one street on the way to the, the center of the town and yeah. there's probably an an English as a second language school probably every five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you always see people from all different countries. And yeah, I loved my time there. Yeah, I was like 19 at the time, 20, something like that. And then so
1: our school, was, I, had, I was also very lucky that I stayed with an incredible host family. So it's been twenty-two years since that happened, and I'm still in touch with them, right? Oh, amazing! So yeah, so then the house was beautiful, and they were amazing people. They had two kids at a time. Now they have two more, uh, but also the school it was walking distance from the house, and the beach was just like half block from the school.
0: Fantastic! So how did you find life in England as an international student? Did it take you a long time to to improve your English, or
1: so? Thank you for that question because. Mm, more me because the work that i do currently is inspired on my own experience uh mm-hmm. on experience when i was an international student in the uk um when i got there i i already had like a higher like an upper intermediate level that's why they where they put me in ha, ha, upper intermediate because i've been you know familiar or i had i've had contact with english to some extent since age six at school okay. Uh, music. I, lis- I listen. I grew up listening to a lot of music in English, right? So mm-hmm. even the grunge. and you know, yeah, the grunge and uh, and and you know that the uh, back in the day with where the CDs, right? And most of the time they had like a booklet with the lyrics there, right? Oh yeah. So I would just like read, like follow along with the the lyrics with the music, right? Just to improve pronunciation. That and that helped a lot. That's one of the the tips that I that I tell students who are in the process of improving their communication skills in English. Uh-huh. So, so, so then, uh, so I had uh, a decent level when I, when I got in England, and I did make, um, I did commit to myself to return home being fully bilingual. So what I did, my school was very diverse, as I was mentioning before. There were three big clusters of students, Colombians, uh, Japanese, and Swiss, right? Right. And then you had uh, Brazilians, Italians, Mexicans, uh, Chinese, you know, Taiwanese, whatever, right? But mm-hmm. those were the three big clusters, right? So what I did, I'm I'm a people person. I love hanging out with people. I love meeting new people. So I did get along with everyone at school. But my best friends, the people were the whom I was like hanging out with on a regular basis, were not Spanish speakers. I wanted to force myself to emerge in a language right mm-hmm. so that's probably the
0: biggest advice as well I always say absolutely. that when I moved to France I just gravitated straight towards the English kids and did myself such a disservice yeah because...
1: exactly that's a perfect word disservice
0: mm-hmm. that's you... so great that you knew that yeah. even at 19 you just thought no I'm not going to talk to you guys I'm going to go and talk to the Swiss I'm going to go talk yes.
1: to <laughs> I can tell you something I was lost in life but that that I had clarity if I come to this country and then I'm just going to limit myself to hang out with people from my own culture. I'm gonna miss out on you know in learning from other folks from fascinating places of the world mm. that can teach me invaluable life lessons about their struggles, about their triumphs, about this their, their personal stories. Based on what they have lived, and not on what the mainstream media has shown me my entire life, mm-hmm. because I have friends from Iran, from Iraq, from Afghanistan, from Pakistan, and when you think about those countries, you think about like because it's what they show you, and in the movies, in the Hollywood movies, what they show you is like dirt, and
0: mm-hmm. they
1: show me, they show, they've shown me pictures of their places and their 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 uh, hometowns, and it's paradise. it's paradise right it's
0: so wrong isn't it we're just given that narrative of these countries and these these peoples and yeah yeah it's frustrating okay so why so you had that experience in england obviously the passions lit inside you for for living abroad and studying abroad Mm -hmm. um why did you how did you end up moving to canada tell me about that journey to that decision
1: Right. So I was. Um, so when I went to when I went to England, I was uh, completing a bachelor's degree in business administration uh, that I started because I didn't know what to do in my life, and I did only because my dad had a, had a business. And then I thought, you know what? After high school, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna go for business because eventually I can take over my dad's business. Worst decision ever because I did not make the most of that program. I did not enjoy it, so I wasted five years of my life. Uh, because there is about the uh, degree takes uh, you five years to complete in Colombia. So um, when I returned from the UK and I was a very different person when I left Colombia for the UK and when I came back, I was very shy, I was very insecure, I was very sheltered. Right? When I came back, I transformed myself in that trip because again, because I had exposure. To other people, to other perspectives. So I think that brought a lot of confidence. I was not that shy anymore. Uh, so I, always, in the back of my head, was always to go back and live and live abroad since I came back, since I returned, right?
0: You're just itching to do it again. You're like, okay, I'm home for a day. Let's go. I want to do it again.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I knew that I had to finish my degree. So I did complete it. But when I finished, Uh, university, I felt more lost than when Mm -hmm. I finished high school. So I started going through very uh, difficult personal times of confidence, of Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do. Also, personally, like internally, I was living through a struggle because I was not able to live my authentic life. I couldn't be my authentic self. And that was uh, triggering uh, a lot of sadness and depression and anxiety that I didn't know at the time. Because in the year 2001, 2002, nobody talked about anxiety. Nobody talked about mm-hmm. depression. Nobody talked about mental health. Especially um,
0: men as well. Especially That's men. That's unheard of,
1: yeah. Exactly. So I felt alone. I didn't know who to talk to. It was terrible. So I'm like, I need a change because my life is going through the drain. And I want to change. I want to live. I want to have fun. And I want to be happy. You know, like I'm a nice guy. Like people like me. I like people, right? So why am I experiencing this sadness and these emotions negatively that are and, and these thoughts that i'm putting in my mind and in my head on a daily basis i need a change
0: yeah and you you opened your eyes to to better horizons out there exactly
1: so it's funny because uh you know after university i had the chance to uh work as an esl uh teacher uh at a language center there in colombia right and I never thought about teaching or coaching or anything like that or working with students as a career path because I had a very negative experience with the educational system back home, right? Very strict, very, uh, they, they didn't want to raise, uh, individuals. They wanted to raise robots. Um, they were, they, I, you know, that, that system made me feel not smart because I was not doing well in the classes that I was not into. But again, I reflected that as an adult. Right, the classes that the, the classes that I was into humanities, languages, uh, communication, all that were just like one or two. The rest was like algebra, calculus, <laughs> trigonometry, and the things that I was into, they were discouraged. Uh, so I felt that I was not smart. Well, it was a, it was a terrible, a terrible, uh, terrible feelings that you grew up grew up inside and insecurities, especially at that age when you are the you know you're most you're most vulnerable. Right, Mm
0: -hmm. it's bizarre, isn't it? How how these subjects are just chosen for us at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, someone just decides that that's that's what people should learn, and then there's all these kids that are they're more creative, and they want to be more sporty. They want to do. There's so many other careers than just the corporate. You know, exactly.
1: So then, yeah. So then, I had the chance. randomly, after I finished my degree, I had the chance to start to go and teach English at a language center, and that was life changing.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, you realized your passion yes
1: because it really because i'm and i was not looking for an opportunity randomly came knock on my door and i'm like you know what i've never done this sounds interesting while well, i find a good job in a good company related to my degree right but then it changed everything because i saw that students that i that i was able to build trust among students right that i could see the potential and i was a very it was very rewarding for me to see when someone put in the work to accomplish something that they wanted to do, and how capable they were to accomplish that, right? So mm. that's that started speaking to me. Hmm, education, I like this. You know, what can I do with this? So, but again, in the back of my head, I was thinking, but what about a good job in a good company? Because my friends are working in these companies, blah blah blah, in the business related, right? But I used to talk to my friends, and my friends were like, well, yeah, sure, well, yeah. They were not. They, I didn't hear excitement, nothing. And then they would tell me how, and I'm like like I have such great friends at the language center. We have so much fun. Sometimes we go and do the classes in a park or this, 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 and that. And I built really great friendships while I was working there, right? But again, it's what society tells you. You are not successful if you are not working for a corporation. You're mm. not successful if you are not making this amount of money. But at the time, I did not realize that that job of uh, an Eng- being an English teacher was the best job and that was the best company better than working for the biggest bank or something no that's that job was what i needed right
0: yeah and i mean some people are so happy and fulfilled in those corporate roles but then some people you know you feel the pressure to to join that life and and it's not the passion that you want some people aren't about the paycheck and the, the job title so it's just following what feels right for you yeah
1: you know what, there, I have a cousin who actually we went to the university together, we took the same programs, we shared some of the same classes, and he was very different than, my, than, than myself, because he was very that, mm-hmm. corporate-oriented. He loved the business world, he loved those classes that I hated, he loved finances, accounting, that, and he knew it from the very get-go, right? And he's thriving and he's always thrived in that because that's his gem, Right. My jam is is different, right? So it's there's no right or wrong when choosing a career. It's just really having a conversation with yourself about what moves you and what are the steps that you're gonna take to uh, go towards, you know, finding work that delights, that makes you wake up in the morning within a in a good mood. Like of course everybody ha- everybody has like bad days and good days, but like if for the most part you get up in the mor- morning in the mornings with a purpose and knowing that you're gonna enjoy. What you do, your life quality is going to be incredible. If you, on the other hand, if you get up in the morning, hating your life because you you know that you're going to see a manager you hate because you cannot stand your coworkers because you're bored at the at the, at the job, etc. Your your life quality decreases, and not only you, the people around you as well that get that get impacted because of decisions. So it's important to make really thought out and robust sound decisions when it comes to the career that you want to build, especially if you coming to Canada and build yours.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so on that trajectory, so when you came to Canada, what were your first impressions? You landed in Toronto, right? It was love at right. first sight?
1: It was love at first sight, 100%. First, because I was looking for that change, I was craving that change, mm-hmm. right? And second, because I just fell in love with the city, I fell in love with the diversity from the very first day that I started seeing people from all colors, all shapes that I went in this DTC because I, I knew one person here, one friend that I met actually at the language center two years prior, right? And okay. she was a student and she was studying English at that institute because uh, her family and herself, they, they were going to move to Canada. That's why they were all studying English at that institute, right? So... Uh, she was the one who encouraged me after after she came here. Hey, like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm bored. I don't want you to do my life. Come here. You have the language. You've lived abroad already, started process, right? Uh, so I remember she picked me up at the airport and we went on the subway, on the TTC, right? And I, and I remember like seeing all this diversity. I'm like, ah, oh, this is my place. You know that feeling when you when you feel that you have found your place in the world? that's what that's how I felt I didn't feel it even when I went to England because in England I knew that it was temporary I knew that I was going to go back to Colombia but Mm -hmm. here because it was some uh, a decision that I was going to be more on a permanent basis I knew right away October 6 2006 that I have found my place in the world
0: Mm -hmm. okay so you have your career and work counseling diploma so you got that in Canada as well
1: in Canada yes
0: yeah and now you're currently a professor at George Brown College in Toronto teaching career preparation related courses to international Mm -hmm. students I just love your content on social media your classes always look so fun (laughs) we use cool activities and games to engage students yeah what success stories have you contributed towards have you heard from any of your students who have gone on to do great things I'd love to know any stories you have yeah
1: you know what Uh, this pandemic has made me reinvent, reinvent myself and my business as well because like, as you mentioned, we, we used to have a program of workshops with Orbit 5 that were very hands-on. You needed to be in the place, et cetera. So there was a lot of interaction. We, they had to play with some crafts as well. And everything now is delivered online. So I had to adjust all my content to be uh, delivered on an online basis. I was, I've been working with a student from India who is taking a master's degree in computer science in, uh, in, in California, in San Jose, in California. Mm -hmm. and in july she sent me a message i'm like david she's like david i'm so happy you found my internship blah 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 but the thing is that you know like with visa purposes with visa affairs they're way more strict in the united states and they give the students less opportunities and less chances than here in canada so her visa uh, as part of her student visa she she can get like a permit to work certain amount of hours right And that permit, she was going to receive it on July 15th. The company wanted her to start July 6th, right? So she was very worried about that because she thought she was going to lose the opportunity to work with them. And I told her, try to negotiate. Try to let them wait for you just nine days. You just need nine days. Tell them that you can start working as a volunteer. They don't want to pay you that first week. It's fine. But like... They didn't let her. They were very strict. Oh. They didn't give her the opportunity, so they canceled their internship offer, which was devastating for her, right? Uh, and the, the thing is that she felt, although she knew that it was a situation out of her control, it impacted her confidence, mm-hmm. right? So we continue doing our work. I've been uh, doing uh, free weekly webinars on uh, on Mondays since yeah, since the pandemic started pretty much, and she was always part of the webinars. I bring guest speakers. Students have been getting a lot of content and a lot of boosting their confidence to pursue their, 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 their jobs and internships. So last, last week, she sends me another email. Oh, my God, David, I have great news again. I found a paid internship as a robotics software engineer. Oh my god! Uh, and she and she said, you know what, David? And thanks to your webinars and attending those webinars and through the conversations that we've had, I've built so much confidence that I feel so much more relaxed and comfortable talking about my abilities and the value that I add and the problems that I can help companies solve. That I got it. So she was so excited. And I was so excited for her and I was so proud of her. And we shared that with the group, the community, with the community that we've been building. And one of them said, you know what? When some, when one of us win, we all win.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That's such an inspiring story and good for her. And I think, you know, the more success you create, the more connections you have. I mean, she's never going to go anywhere. She'll always be available to these people that she's met through your programs. And, you know, she's going to make so many connections now that can help the new people that join. So it's just a snowball effect of all of these people that can help each other. and. Oh, it's amazing! So, thank you so much for that work you are doing for newcomers. You are so inspiring. Thank you. Um, so, what do you recommend for a newcomer that's that's going through that? You know, they're looking for their dream job or their internship, and they're they're feeling their confidence start to slip, and they yeah. don't think they have that that network built. They don't know anybody. They just don't know what to do. So, mm-hmm. what would you say that initial first step would be?
1: So, the main challenge that everybody who comes to a new country faces is um, the lack of connections, the lack of a network, right? So people need to start putting the work into building a network even before they arrive in a country. People don't right. think about it. People are like, oh, I'm moving to Canada. I'm moving to the United States. I'm moving to England, to Australia. And once I'm there, I'll start looking for work and I'll start sending resumes online. That doesn't work. Right? That doesn't work. You need to start building connections with people who are working in the fields of your interest, the fields where you have an interest of working here in your new home country, right? So that would be the very first step. And how you can do that, the best way right now, the easiest way, because it's online and it's free, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You can virtually connect with so many people on LinkedIn that can help you get insight into the ins and outs of the industry of your interest. So that they understand, okay, so what are the things that I can transfer from my background into the new field? But mm-hmm. most importantly, what are some of the things that I still need to build and develop to be more competitive in the job market? Right. Because right now the job the market the job market has never been more competitive like than it is now. So how or what are the gaps that you as a newcomer or in a, international student see? in the culture or in the places where you want to work for and how you can fill that gap and embrace your background and embrace yourself and do not feel inferior because some people feel like that or because they send 200 resumes online and they get no calls for interviews it's not that your resume is bad it never got to touch human hands because it got stuck in the ats system with a robot right
0: Mm-hmm. Or even just lost in the the sheer number of applications. If exactly. you just if you just submit your application on Indeed, I think that's probably the 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 worst thing to do because I mean I was a recruiter and there would be so many resumes that you would mm-hmm. have to sift through. You know, we'll get to resumes in a second, but you're just going to be sifting through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You'll find a good one and then you'll hire that person and then you'll never even see the one you know exactly. 20, 30 down the line. So but what if
1: what if your resume was the next one? Yes. Right? But yeah, but then you know. So then people think, oh, then the experience that I brought from home, it's not valid. So maybe my experience, maybe I'm not as skilled as I as I thought I was. If you start doubting yourself, and you cannot do that, that's why you need to start building connections. That the first thing that the person needs to do, and the best platform to do that right now is LinkedIn.
0: And how do they do that? How how do you approach people on
1: LinkedIn? Is it the best way for you to 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 approach these people is by building a relationship. And how you can build that relationship by engaging with their content, right? Right. So for example, there's a lot of content creators now uh, on LinkedIn and and the number has been increasing because again, everybody's at home and everybody's like, like a lot of people are talking more. So you want to find thought leaders in your industry of interest, right? If you see that they're posting content periodically, you want to, before sending a connection request, follow them, Right. And engage with their content. So what do you do? So for example, Kate, you are a thought leader in the world of human resources and you post a lot of content, you add, you provide a lot of free tips, advice for job people in the job search processes, etc. Et right? Mm-hmm. So what, what 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 would I do if I wanted to connect with you and ask you something? I would take a look at your post of today, for example, if you posted something on LinkedIn today. Take a minute to digest that post, and then leave a thoughtful comment that adds extra value to to the post, the author, and the community who is reading that post, right? If I do that with five, six of your posts, you're going to start saying, who's David Mendoza? Who's this person? His comments are really thoughtful. They're adding value. And on top of that, he's helping me promote my own content. Because when I leave a comment and when I like your post, my network can see that, right? So that then, so so then, so you're building a relationship. I'm building a relationship with you behind the curtains, you know, without even knowing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, in a few, a couple of weeks go by or something, and then another post, and you take that opportunity to send that connection request and use that little box to send a message. Hey, Kate. Your post of today really resonated with me because this, 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 and that. It would be lovely to be part of your network. If you you already recognize my name, right? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna decline the invitation to connect? No, you won't, because you're seeing that I'm that I'm helping you, I'm prom- helping you promote. And now, once that happens, I can ask you for something. Hey, Kate, you know I've been so inspired by your content. By the things that you that you write, by you, how you help this community, uh, and your career trajectory sounds fascinating. I would love to have the chance to have a fifteen minute conversation with you at your best convenience to ask you a few questions about your journey. Don't worry if you're too busy right now. No worries. Thank you very much, David. So, two scenarios. Worst case scenario, you you will never you won't open that message, right? Or you open it and you're like, I don't have time, David, I'm sorry, maybe connect with me in two months, right now I'm swamped, right? That's the worst thing that could happen. At the same time, you've done the same process, not only with Kate, but with other 10 people, right? At least, yeah? And then, best case scenario is that you tell me, absolutely, David. Let's chat next week, at this time, how does this sound? Because again, because you know that I've been helping you promote your content. I've built a relationship and I'm not asking for anything. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, the worst thing you can do is just send a request that says, hey, I'd love to connect, David. You know, that doesn't mean anything. It could be one of these bots. You just don't know. It's to have that person actually a personalized message and a real interest that you share with that person. It's clear that you are into the same things as me and you, you want to support each other. Then, yeah, it's just about that no face. and
1: you know what kate you know what uh if for example if it's like hey i love to connect i accept everyone who sent me a connection request right but mm. if it's like i like to connect sure and the conversation never starts or it ends there right mm-hmm. it's a shame because people miss out on the opportunity of building a relationship with something with someone great that can maybe help you expedite your job search process by referring you to someone
0: else it's almost just taking a shortcut really isn't it because it is a lot of work and it can be really daunting to think oh my gosh I'm gonna have to build this online personal brand for myself I'm gonna have to really personalize all these messages to all these people and it is a huge task but then you know you've moved to Canada and you know you're trying to build a new life and unfortunately that's just a huge part of of success here really to, to have that network building time and Um, but you can make it fun right you can talk to these people and you can connect with them in such a great way it's more
1: fun than than customizing 200 resumes a month to to get one or two calls for an interview or or zero
0: yeah it's more just social isn't it you can yeah
1: exactly so so i think that 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 would be like a great strategy for people who are new to the country to start diving in more into linkedin and all the things that the platform offers or other ways of networking without saying that, oh, never apply online. No, like, go ahead and apply online for sure as part of the strategy. But you said it could be tough for someone who spends all this time doing this job search because he's looking for work is a full-time job.
0: What I'd love to talk a bit more about resumes. So what makes a good resume in Canada? I know there's so many different standards depending on what country you're in. So for somebody that's fresh into Canada and they're looking at their resume, what are the a few things that you can say straight away to make sure you don't do, make sure you add in there? What, what advice do you have for that?
1: First thing, conciseness and relevance, right? All the content that you are putting on your resume that you're showing to an employer, it has to be relevant to the position that you are applying to. Mm-hmm. That would be the first thing. Second, um, nobody wants to, to read your job description. You need to, um, write your resume with statements that show, Accomplishments that show results and how you have utilized the skills that you are claiming that you have, that you can offer, and how those the, the application of those skills have resulted in helping the company improve, uh, you know, increase revenue, or helping the company wa- save money, or helping the company improve the team's morale, etc. Whatever whatever you did, you need to uh, write in a way that it looks like statement. If you tell me, okay, David, tell me one of the things that you did at work. And I tell you, oh, i developed develop a marketing plan. You're going to be like, uh, okay, elaborate more. Tell me more about that, right? And I can answer, and then I can tell you in more detail. But the paper is not going to talk back. Mm-hmm. To you. The paper doesn't talk. So they make their decisions of inviting you to an interview based on what they read on that piece of paper, Right. So it's different to say, different saying, like, for example, develop our marketing plan. But then again, I'm going to make assumptions. And was it successful? Was it a terrible marketing plan? (laughs) Because, yeah, exactly. People don't think about these things, right? It's different to say, develop a new marketing plan that increased sales by 25%. Oh, you're giving me a result now. So it's like now the idea with the resume is that you need to help the person who is reading your document have a clear picture in their head of what are the things that you accomplished not the things that you did you are marketing yourself you're promoting yourself you are you are going through a sales process you are selling yourself Mm -hmm. and the people it's interesting the people with the highest qualifications is not necessarily the people who get the best jobs the people who get the best jobs are the people with the ability to promote themselves better to play the game better Mm -hmm. this is a game. It's a game. That's why I like to use this language because I want to, I want people to, to to see it as a fun process of self discovery, of self awareness, right? So they can embrace what they have, especially so that they can tell this, their stories.
0: You want to work with people that you get on with and you want to connect with the people you work with you spend yeah. so much time with these people yeah. if you look over your entire life on this planet you're going to spend so much time working and and with yeah. people. you spend
1: more time you spend more time with your coworkers and with your managers than you spend with your family and your friends it's mm-hmm. a reality right
0: so i guess in the interview as well if you're worried about you know interview standards in canada like what you said when we were chatting before this call, you know, interviews are a two-way street. Um, the interviewer is wants to make sure that you're right for the team and, you know, it's a perfect space for you to determine whether the job is a right fit for you and then for, for them to realize that you're the perfect person that's going to get on well with the team and, and make the company thrive. So it's a whole social aspect to the yeah, whole process.
1: Here's the thing with interviews, right? Exactly. So, the people, so people think, okay, so the company is finding the right fit. They're looking for the right fit. Fair enough. Mm. But the interview is the best space for you as well to decide if that is the best fit for you and your current reality or not. People don't think that way. People people go in an interview feeling that they are at at a disadvantage point. Mm -hmm. And you cannot go to an interview like that because, again... You have to see, and again, it comes with research, and hopefully you have had the chance to speak with someone who is already in a company and get some insights on that, right? So you already have an idea of what the culture of the company looks like and if it aligns with your values and your mission and your vision, Mm -hmm. right? But it's a good way for you to decide if that's the right fit for you or not because, like you just mentioned, you're going to spend most of your life at work. Of course, there's different realities, I'm single, I don't have kids, I don't have like massive responsibilities, right? So I have more flexibility than someone who comes to the country with with spouse, with three kids, with that, sometimes there's a sense of urgency and people need to find a survival job or something or compromise something because they need that in order to feed their family. But still, once that happens, they need to take time to really have conversations with themselves and think, okay... I have this survival job. Perfect. Great. Now I'm building Canadian experience. I'm surviving. I'm I'm providing for my family. But now I need to start reflecting what is the thing that I really want to do and use this opportunity as a platform to arrive at the point where you want to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can... You can have that pressure for, you know, external reasons and, and almost settle for a job that's not making you happy for, for your immediate needs. And like you said, there's nothing stopping you then, you know, going on LinkedIn every night and still making those connections and going to networking events and things like that. So, yeah, that's amazing advice. That's that's a great mindset to, mm-hmm. to have, really. Yeah. Um, so How how do you think the landscape has changed with with COVID-19? You know, obviously interview standards uh, moving online, you know, there's all these virtual interviews taking place. Yeah. They're almost scarier in a way. So what would you say for yeah. somebody that has a virtual interview set up?
1: I would say embrace that. And you know what? Like get rid of the the, the thought that is a scary situation. If you go with the mindset that you're going to have a conversation with someone to find mutually if you are a good fit for one another and that you go with the mindset you're going to enjoy that conversation your chances are going to increase because the person is going to like you. How can you do that? You go on LinkedIn, have, do some research, Google the person, see if there's so they have written about. It, see if there's a hobby that you find, right, and bring that up at the beginning of the conversation to engage in that hu- with that human aspect with the person. If they like you, they will be rooting for you, right? Online, so one thing. So, for example, try to attend webinars and events online that are that are free and out there all the time right now. And turn on your camera to to be comfortable with that. So, for example, when I do my webinars on a weekly basis, at the beginning, you so let me be three of the students. You know, they, they had it. now it's like more of them turn the cameras, and I tell them like, look, this is the perfect space and place for you to practice because online interviews, video interviews, are not going anywhere. They're here to stay. So the more comfortable you are, the more you practice, and then you. Practice with friends or with family or something and and, uh, test your technology and everything, right? When the the time comes for you to do your video interview, you're going to feel more relaxed. There's no point in fighting the change. You need to embrace it because change helps you grow and helps you see other perspectives.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, David, for your time today. This has been so, so valuable. You know, trying to find employment in a new and inf- unfamiliar country and then during this pandemic as well, it can be so overwhelming. So it's great to be able to share this amazing advice with listeners, trying to ease some of that. So thank you.
1: Thank you. So thanks, Kate. It was a pleasure. Uh, I would love for your audience to uh, connect with me in LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very active on the platform and also I would like to invite them to attend my free weekly webinars. I have great guest speakers and we've been building a beautiful community of people who are new to the countries.
0: Yes, I'll definitely link everything in the show notes. So check those out. Thanks so much again, David. We'll definitely have to chat again soon. thank you so so much for listening as always it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on apple podcasts or wherever you're listening from and then if you're loving the show so far recommend us to your friends spread word and help us grow this exciting community until next week